This week, um, we several of us have listened to, begin to listen to a man named um, James Koala, who um, my niece, Stephanie, had sent us a um, podcast of him. And I saw it in my messages, and, you know, it's, it's uh, the link showed that he had been a, this James had been a um, warlock and all tangled up in um, the occult and witchcraft and all those things. And I looked at it, I'm like, mm, I'm not sure, I, you know, my plate's full. I don't know that I want to, yeah, great, good, 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 you know, that's thing. And uh, so Phyllis started listening to it, was listening to it. She also got that, and she starts listening. And she goes, hey, Rick, you've got to listen to this guy. And I, I look at her, and I'm like, why would I want to listen to this guy? Like, you're going to have to give me a reason because it doesn't look appealing to me at all. Like, I'm glad. That's great. That's good, you know. And she starts playing it, and it's very long. That's also another turn off. I'm like, oh, Lord, long, you know, video, long, long text. I'm like, oh, geez, please, you know. So that, that wasn't this, but I just, you know, um, we're all, we're all, I'm in such a, you know, everything quick mode, short mode, whatever. It's not good, but it's just, you know. So she begins to play this. It's halfway through, is the thing almost two or three hours? It's three hours, yeah, yeah. So you see why I'm like, oh, you know, painful. And I'm listening, I'm like, oh, this is why you want me to listen to this, you know. And um, this man's story, and he, he encounters Jesus um, at a certain point in his life, but the story coming up to this point is nuts. How long has he been a Christian now? He's in the ministry. He's 12 years. I think 10. 10 years. More than 10, yeah. So it's in that area. He's from Ethiopia and um, explains how he entered into this horrible life and... Uh, who he was, and he had amazing powers. So as I listen, all kinds of things start going off inside of me as far as revelation, the reason, answers. And I, I mean, just there's not one thing. It's a lot of things that are really uh, ministering to me. They're giving me answers for some things that I didn't have answers to. And uh, it just captured me, and I'm listening, and I want to relate. There's so much in it, and, and then he has other teachings. And there's a group of us that are really like, whoa, this is good stuff. And the man that was interviewing him, he's also, he's from Britain. He's also a great, great teacher. And wow, I'm just impacted. And uh, But I want to tell the story the story that captured me, that he told, that answers so many things in the history of us being a church. And if you're part of the core group that's been through it all, it really put some things together that I never got put together before. Here's the story at this point. So much to it. He goes to a big conference, a gathering, 
honestly, I'm not attracted. I hope there's nothing on me that's attracting my, me, on me that's attracting flies. They keep coming here. Okay. Another one bit the dust, just telling you. Okay. And I forget where that conference is. Sicily, that's right, big place. This is what we don't know. Us normal people, especially Christians and normal, we're kind of out of, the, out of the loop. These people gather for these conferences. They are very educated, very well-to-do, very intelligent, very deeply into the occult and witchcraft. They're well-financed. There were over a 1,000 of them that were there. And one of the subjects of this big gathering that he, of course, he's really high into this. He's only 22 at the time, maybe. And uh, people don't call him by his name. They call him master. Anybody that knows calls him master. He has that much power in the spirit realm. And they're talking this is great. It's an inside look at their workings. And these very elite people in this realm are, he said, they're, they were literally fearful. They were shaken up. Something was blocking. And they have a vision, which we need to develop, a vision of taking territories. They will spend, they'll get ahead of something a hundred years and put out a plan to, to conquer and take territories. That's what's happened to our children, our young people, the universities. That's why they're saturated with the things that they're saturated with. That's why all this power, because they realize, hey, if you want to change a nation or change a people or rule a territory, get there young and start as early as possible. We tend to not have that vision, and we, we need to really, really grab a hold of this. When they have children, they send them on a mission. They're, they're very, they're very uh, adamant about this. They, they look to what their destiny is in the, when they're babies, when they're born. We're, we kind of allow our children to go wherever. So that's changing. I love it. I love our young families. It's not a criticism. It's just the mindset we've had. It's, it's bad. Then we complain about all the things around us, right? So, yeah, that needs to change. Something has blocked one of the, if I understand this right, it was a spiritual highway. It connected things. And something was blocking their influence, their power. And they were just beginning to discover what it is. And this, his name is James. Um, he's, he kind of taunts them and laughs at like, what are you afraid of? Like, what, what do you, how did, you know, why are you afraid of this? Why is this such a, a problem and blocking things? And they tell him, like, we're, we're going to send you on the mission to stop, to break this. And he's kind of like sloughing it off because there's nothing that he can't do. He's well-financed. He's 22. He's, he goes to university, but he doesn't go to classes. He knows all the answers. Like, it, it's crazy, the life they live in the realm they enter into. He begins kind of to make fun of them 
for their fear, like there's this conversation. And I've learned this from a couple of different teachings that I've listened to, so it's not all in the one story in the testimony. They said, it's in your, it's in your country. It's where you live. It's in Ethiopia. Actually, are you a part of this? That you've allowed this? They, they begin to accuse him, which there's no honor in this among these people (laughs) none they only respect you if you have power and even then later he says they had planned to kill him if he'd have went to a certain place to absorb more of his power that's a horrible life to live yeah he said it's in your country and when he finds out where this is at that it is a small church a pastor and 20 illiterate women that are blocking this, wreaking havoc. And he has a center. His commission was to go out and find 5,000 young people, intelligent young people, well-to-do, educate, bring them in and train them in this uh, teaching center that he had in Ethiopia. These people, they have plans. They do things. They accomplish things. And he's well-financed to do that. He's in the midst of that. This little church is only 20-some kilometers away from him. It's 12 miles. I I actually got on my maps, and I'm like, what little town or city around here is 12 miles from here? And and I, I came up with one. The Drug Mart in Minerva, that's 12 miles away. So it's not next door, but it's close. It was definitely in his territory. It's in his region. It's in his country. And he couldn't believe that it had, he had been, he couldn't see it. Couldn't believe that he didn't know about it. And he's, in, he's like, how, how is this happening? And then he, in that realm, he names the pastor like they're prophetic too, only in the dark side of it. And they give him a commission. He said, they said, we've discovered they're on a 90-day commitment to pray. And they are wreaking havoc in the spiritual world. And they're into, they only have 22 days to go. And they'll be at 90. And if they reach their goal, if they stay committed to what they're doing for 90 days... We, they will block us out for 70 years. Small, insignificant church, a young pastor and 20 women that aren't educated, that are illiterate. They found, discovered they had made a commitment for 90 days that they were... and and. Even James is like, how did they know to do this? They make a commitment. They enter into a covenant with one another to pray for 90 days. Six hours a day. They start at three in the afternoon, go to nine at night. If anybody's even late for a meeting of this group, 21 people, 20 women and one pastor, they all have to start over again with the 90 days. So there's motivation, also a little pressure, don't be late. 
because everybody will blame you that, yeah, we've been in this thing for three years and it's all because you, you know, that thing, you know. I mean, they, but they're, they're committed to this and they're showing up every day and they have no idea what they're changing. He, in his research, realizes that over 7,000 churches have been re- res- like impacted by this. Pastors are all of a sudden, they're coming back, renewing their vows and their passion. Like it is affecting things drastically in that whole, in that whole realm but they don't know it. And so they tell him, you, we're, we're giving you this assignment, we're giving you funding to stop them, but do not fight them because they will kill you. Now they're personally not, it's not because they will, but you'll get killed. This group is protected, like Psalms 91 protected. So you and I have the same promises. Here's the, here's the question. How do we access that protection? Like, what are we missing? We're missing something because God's not lying. I've been aware there's so much more. How do we access? Like, what, what is it? What's the blindness? What's the, the hardness in my heart? What's the dullness? What's, and I've been concerned about this for a while for myself. I'm not backslidden, I'm not, you know, lost in, you know, whatever, but, but I'm aware I'm, I'm not there, I'm not on top of my game, I'm way, I'm under something. So you ask yourself that question, you're not sure how to move out. In this story, as it progresses, to give him money, here's $500,000, get this to stop. Don't attack it. So the first, he sends in a young girl, if I understand right, young woman, that comes in, she has money and a new car. In the process of her coming in, she only has less than 20 days to, they only have 20 days to get this stopped. Yes, yes, yeah, I'm sorry. There, yeah, and it was, it was to be just us, like they weren't going to allow anyone else in. That sounds exclusive, but there are, thing, there are things in the Lord that you do that you've got to guard because the wrong person stepping in. I mean, it's just the truth. I'm sorry to say this. I, I've got the stories to tell you what happens when the wrong person steps in. And because this is part of why this impacted me, because you've been accused of something and so you're trying to compensate. You're, you're, you're off balance a little bit and you stop listening to the seers around you. you I, like all of this, ha- I'm, oh my gosh. I see this thread of what has happened through all the years and every time uh, I make a commitment, every time there's, there's something we step into, we, we do well for a while, then something happens and it never looks like an attack. Matter of fact, I resist that. I don't like that talk. I don't like devil talk. I don't like giving the devil too much authority, power, and I hate the, the uh, paranoia that the devil's after us, Okay. I hate it, so I resist it. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to even think on those terms. And I pretty much live in this realm where 
honestly, I'm, there's nothing significant, significant about anything that I really do or lead that matters that much next to a cornfield by a woods on a township road, you know, called Bethesda, like, and wow, did I get a wake-up call about this very subject. We don't know what we actually have accomplished. So the, this young woman comes in. She gives money to several of the other women to start a business. That's a good thing because they're poor. They're illiterate. In the process, they buy the pastor a new house. He has a daughter with a very uh, bad skin disease condition, and it's distracting him, and he starts losing sleep. You know what happens to a young parent when they're losing sleep? They're, you know, off their game, right? It messes you up. I think of all the times when something messes me up. I'm on track, I'm, on, I'm dialed in, I'm doing well. I, I know that. It's not boasting. It's just, you know, you're, you're dialed in. You're, you're walking out something. You're, you're there. And something will happen. An infection, a, a, a severe cold, a, something happens, and it knocks you off. And then it's so hard to get back in the saddle again. I don't know why that is. But if you miss and you fall back off of something, there's always an excuse to back off, to lay something down. It feels insignificant. I don't know, but there's so many things that uh, I've, I mean, I'm grieved at how many things I've started, but they either we don't set an end date or it just kind of fizzles, you know? And that's like, it's a bad thing to do. We're not being diligent about different things, how we go about it. I mean, I've just got a truckload of, whoa, I just look at all this and it, it I'm not under condemnation though, but I, I went, wow, this is what, and it's like, I told, I think, Kevin, when I was talking to him about it, I said, I don't want to be impacted by this and not make any changes. I don't want to say, oh, this was just good. I want to stop and, and change and make some decisions about things, reset, reevaluate. And this young woman gets into the group, like Phyllis said. They, weren't, they knew they were to just stay exclusive and to finish this off. And then I think another young woman comes in as well, is involved, uh, gets involved. By the end, guess what happens? Offenses start. Is there anything that shuts you down faster than getting offended over something? This happens. That gets said. You perceive they meant this, and boom, you're explosion and you back off from the group or from what you're doing or from your commitment. Well, if that's how it's going to be around here, I'm gone. Okay. So we don't realize what's at work and it doesn't feel like it's an attack because it's like it's personal. It's stuff, you know, it's this underlying current. It's these distractions. It's this, Everything falls apart at home, and you're like, hey, I'm doing a good thing. What's going on here? The car breaks down. I mean, we say, we name all the things that start to happen. The confusion happens. The, the things step in. We don't realize what's at stake when we yield to them. And some, it's, again, it's not about condemnation. It's just about understand what you're under. Understand what happens when you get thrown off of something you made a commitment to be a part of and to do. 
understand mostly this. When we step into things that we make a covenant with the Lord about, we're powerful. If we finish that course, this little group was wreaking havoc on the kingdom of evil. And I went, oh my gosh. And so he begins to talk about covenant, covenant prayer. And he says this term, and I went, oh, Lord. The terms of the covenant. So I don't want to teach about covenant today, but I know that I've been intrigued with it, and I never feel like I get a really good grip on it. And we have this the story about Abraham and he cuts the covenant and the animal is cut in half and 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 this this whole thing that happens in um, I think it's in Genesis 15 and the smoke and the fire go between the two pieces and we're like that's weird you know like we don't get it in our culture at all but those are things God cuts covenant with us and man once that happens he's all the way in. And we need to be too. There are terms of that covenant. We have the Ten Commandments. In the teaching of grace, some teachers, I believe with all my heart, go too far. It's like, that we, you we're not under that anymore. It's like, hey, I want all of my neighbors to agree with the elements of the Ten Commandments. They will be great neighbors. They won't steal from me. They won't bear false witness against me, and on and on and on. Like, they're good neighbors. They they honor God. They love God. Like, that's not a problem. So it's not a problem if people have that. that. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. To have that as a, let's start here, and then let's let's move up from there. Let's let that be established. So there, there are many things to this. A lot of good, I don't, I'm just going to not even try to, to go into that. But as I was meditating on this, and I did do a reset, I went back and I stopped and I went, what in my relationship with the Lord am I to be doing? Because if we just come to Jesus and then there's no covenant between us and him I I know this might be a little bit off of where you normally think but there are terms to that relationship just like you have terms with your husband and your wife and your people right and I went oh wow it is absolutely just like a marriage when you come into a marriage you pretty much picture how it's going to be right Who's going to do the checkbook? How, who's, where are we going for the holidays? Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. It's all worked out in your mind till you actually start, you get married, live together. You go, oh, well, of course we're going here. Oh, uh, no, we're not going there. We're going here. Of course this is how we did it. My family always did it this way. That's how we're going to do it. Of course the man runs the checkbook. The woman never runs a checkbook. You laugh. But early in the days of our church, we were in a group that felt like that had to be the husband. 
What if the husband's no good with money? Now what? You know? Like, it was just funny what we fell into that were like legal rules. And so, but here's what I want to say about that. Every, every marriage, you have terms of your covenant. You do. Some of you have them more defined than others, and they all need to, aren't they always working out as you work through the years of marriage? Like, that's why it takes a young couple a few years, maybe, unless they're perfect individuals, to work out things. Maybe seven years? I don't know. Why is that? Because you're working out the terms of your relationship. That's why. That's what that's about. And, and it takes work because you have to decide what's okay with you, what's not okay with you. And if there's a behavior that shows up in the husband or the wife, the other one, if they're smart, they'll go, hey, that's not going to work for me. You can't, you can't be that person. You can't do this. Like, I'm not okay with it. And so I can't tell you all the details of your covenant relationships with your husband and your wife you, or your children or how you raise your children, right? You need to work that out. You need to know that. Now, let's move that into your actual relationship with Jesus. We know there's the basics. His teachings, follow the commandments, believe in him, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But what are your, actually, what are your actual terms of relationship with Jesus? Do you know what those are? Have you, do you know, and you violated them, or you've said, that doesn't matter? Or do you live a compromised life, not before me, but between you and Jesus? You see, sitting here, you, we have an array of convictions about several issues. Is it okay to drink wine? Is it not okay to drink wine? What rating of movie can you watch? Can you watch a this, a P, a PG, a PG-13? Like, Lord, lately, you can't trust a PG-13. Like, holy mackerel. Like, whoa, time out. But it comes down to this, that it's about your relationship with Jesus. And here's the bad thing about him. When you become unfaithful in many things, he's quiet. The first time you decide not to fulfill a commitment that you made, this is between you and him. This is not about between you and people. He may not say a word. Like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. And then you have your excuses for why you're not going to do that anymore. Why not, you're not going to do that? Why you're not going to go? Why you're not going to, you know? And I saw this and I'm like, wow, does it really matter? If I keep reset my conviction, my terms of relationship with Jesus, which he's been quiet about, but as soon as I stop and Wait on him and like, what, what are my terms between me and you? It, you have to work that out. It's not a book. You can't use mine. We try. 
This is why teachers and leaders need to be careful about some of the things that they project because you may not have the grace to do what they do. You, I'll, you probably don't. And some of the people in ministry, there are terms of their relationship with the Lord for that anointing. We may not, we're probably not willing to make. Uh, you read stories, Catherine Coleman, different people. Like they had, what you see are terms of relationship, terms of covenant between them and the Lord, and they know what it is. Uh, I think, um, yeah, sometimes they're not even allowed to marry. And it's not about a legalistic rule. You're, you're not going to find that in the Bible, the commandment to or to not to. The freedom to both is there, okay? But you have to uphold between you and the Lord. What, but here, here's the promise in this, though. If you identify them and you begin to walk in them, you will have power. You'll have authority. You, you may not even realize and, and the, the blindness that you have and the inability to see and to hear like you want to will be removed. That's what I believe. You'll enter into something. I, I made this reset and I prayed for grace to like, well, and I knew what it was. It was returning to something and, and I did it. And oh my gosh, what I began to practice that, what a difference it made immediately in everything about inside me, about me. And by the time I was, uh, I went shopping with Phyllis. This was the second time in a very short time, which is like a miracle because I like, Christmas shopping, I like, I, I break out in hives, like, yeah, that, that thing. I love going with Phyllis, doing things, but I don't like shopping, you know, with anybody, you know, like, oh. And we're talking, we're fellowshipping, I'm relating some things that I'm hearing from the Lord. I said the strangest thing to her. I said, I'm actually feeling joy come up inside of me because I was reading this and studying this and looking at Romans uh, 14, 7, which interesting, Kenny related this to me in, in another story that's his story, but it, it's this principle, we've got to be careful with what we're triggered over right now. Big time, right? All the political stuff, the wokeness, the, you know, everything. The vaccines, the, all, all this stuff. I mean, it has us... And, and I'm like, I know I'm restrained, like, keep your mouth shut. But I'm like, yeah, but I want to, you know. And I was drawn to that verse, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not rules about eating and drinking. It's about, in the Holy Spirit, these three words, righteousness, peace, and joy. Which, and then the people that practice them, are beautiful to the Lord, like they, the Lord loves that. There's, there's a power and a grace. And I'm studying the word righteousness, looking at that, in the, and reading some of Brian Simmons' uh, notes about that word. 
And it has to do with kindness in relationships. Righteousness, I know you never went there before. Kindness in relationships is, is part of the definition of what righteousness is. Right, this righteousness is right relationships and right living. Right relationships and right living. And the whole context, and this is what Brian Simmons says, the context in Romans 14 is that don't judge people for their different convictions about eating and drinking and the the stuff that we do and how we go about things. We have all kinds of issues right now. And you've got to really guard over your heart that you aren't triggered by the behavior and convictions of other people right now, right? Or is it just me? I mean, I'm having more of an issue with this than I have for years and years. And now I'm like, my, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stands up sometimes. And you imagine yourself in certain scenarios and you're ready to fight. I don't have a gun, but you're reaching for it anyways, you know, right? And, and the command, like the word from the apostle to these people was, Show kindness. Don't pass judgment on them. Keep that, keep that to yourself. And, what, and don't do things that offend somebody on purpose. Like you have the right to have your own convictions and live in your, live in your life. But you, if you know in their presence that it offends them, just don't do it. Is it worth that? Is it worth causing someone to stumble? So it's a, it's a whole mindset because in the kingdom, it's valuable to show kindness. Besides, I'm watching a lot of people that I would never believe they're going to make a change, making a change. Making radical changes. And of course, our climate right now is the political issues and all this stuff. One of the founders of Black Lives Matter just said, I'm leaving. I'm done with the Democratic Party. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. This is a black man one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. Very calm, peaceful, good-looking man. Calm. And the, and the interviewer tried to bait him to make a derogatory comment about Trump. He went, no, I like him. I'm like, I'm reading this on Truth Social. I'm like, is this for real? Then I just saw another black woman, another post, and they're like, we're done. We're done. And you know how they can really get hooped up, you know, which is great. We need some of that here at church. And some of her brothers in the background were like, yeah, preach it, girl, preach it, sell it. Like, that's not going to work. They were from Chicago. They've had it with what's happened to their city. You guys aren't. And so how are you going to convert them? By arguing with them? No. By being angry about what they believe? No. It doesn't, it's not going to work. Just drive them deeper into it. But if you love them in spite of the differences, if you would encounter them, and it's challenging, but it is the gospel. And you get in this thing where you start walking very seriously about in your terms of covenant with Jesus. 
See, that changes the, why, the reason you do the whys and the why nots and the do's and the don'ts, right? Why don't you do that? Because it would displease him. Not, I might get caught. It wouldn't be pleasing. Because I walk carefully so the dove on my shoulder doesn't fly off. I, I, I give, give real, like, I'm careful about this so that I don't fall into things. I'm going to read one scripture today, and, and I'm not going to belabor this. There's, there's so much. I, I feel, I'm going to tell you, I feel like we just came into an impact with some revelation that's going to radically change us. I want the change because I want to please Jesus. I don't really even care about growth. I just want to be powerful in the kingdom. I, I already am experiencing this. You, do you want to know why your words aren't carrying weight? It could have to do with the vows that you haven't paid to the Lord. And we're not talking about just money. There's a lot in the scriptures about this. Don't promise to pay something, pay a vow, and then not pay it. Don't, don't promise people things just because it's what sounds good. This is very hard to do in our culture. We're like, we hate to say no to someone. Might show up on Facebook, right? Do you understand the paranoia we live in every day? Like, it's, it's so in the, it's in the atmosphere, to be unlike, to be, to, to be perceived as unkind or unwhatever, there are things you need to say no to and do it with all love, but we can't keep committing ourselves to things that we're number. If you do it, you regret doing it, you should not have done it. You not, should not have committed to it in the first place. That, that's actually sin. You do something and you're just like, here, you know, like, like, if you were to give somebody money, let's say, just use that as a, as a nice, good, simple illustration. And you, and you resent it, but it's like, well, God told me to. So you give them the $100 or whatever and kind of toss it to them. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Jesus is going, what the heck was that? He might grab you right here by, the, what was that? What are you doing? You think I'm pleased with that? Right? What kind of giver does he love? I want to be in the Jesus loves me realm. I love the cheerful giver. Whether it's your money or your truck or your stuff, I've had times when I can loan out my truck. I have times when I go, I can't do that. I feel guilty afterwards, but it's better to not do it than to do it and resent it, whatever your things are. And you want to walk that out in humility? I, I say go for it. Just take a good look at yourself and, you know, get that worked out. The perfect is to be free, but if you're not free, be careful what you do. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I probably have a lot of you messed up because you have your passion translations. You don't have Ecclesiastes in them, right? 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 This is right after Proverbs as soon as I get there. This thing, man, I'll tell you, it's It's huge. We won't turn there, but in Jeremiah 34, there's this whole story 
Uh, it was Zedekiah, I think I wrote it, Zedekiah. Zedekiah. Lord told him to release all the um, Hebrew slaves that were in his kingdom. So he does it. Then he backtracks on it. And he takes them back in as slaves. Oh, guess who was hot about that? That was Ezekiel 34. Oh, in Ecclesiastes, it's chapter 5. Chapter 5. The Lord tells him, this is how serious this is in Old Testament. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that covers us. It's like, I'm going to cause your enemies to come and take from you. I mean, that was really bad. What was that? That was a vow that he agreed to, then he took it back. The Lord watches that. I, I don't want anything in my life to look like that. And about the time I think I'm doing good at it, I fail. So there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, but I don't want to be haphazard about it. I want to learn to be careful about it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we'll just start in the verse, verse 5. Walk prudently, this is the New King James Version, Rock, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they do, that they do evil. Verse 2, do not be rash with your mouth. Oh, oh. At the moment, it usually doesn't cost anything to say the wrong thing. It'll cost you later, but it doesn't cost, you know. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. You're like, oh, it's God. He doesn't care. He cares. Because if you make a vow to him and keep it, he pours blessings on that. There is a reciprocal result that you don't want to miss out on. It's big. That was what this teaching by James was like, wow. How did these people know to do this? They enter into covenant and, and commit themselves to praying to the point that they, his, his fellow people, like, be careful, it'll kill you or it will convert you if, you if you attack it. Guess what? On the last day, the 90th day, they failed, but James got saved. He encountered Jesus, and he had no intentions whatsoever of getting saved. Trust me. This young girl says his name because she happened to know who he was. And it immediately made him angry. She made a, a vow to the Lord. I'm going. You told me to go preach to this guy. I'm going to go. It's 7 o'clock. He's at, at the college. I know no students are up at that time. I'll go now and tell you I went and I couldn't find him. She goes there, and guess who walks out of the dorm? He's coming out to get on a plane to go to someplace else in the, in the world to be ordained in his thing. That was what he was going to do. She says his name. He reiterate, reiterates the story, tells the story, and it angered him so much. See, these people are really pleasant, beautiful, as long as they're not mad at you. But boy, when they are, and what he was going to do, he was thinking this, and I'm going to, 
I'm going to curse her, and she's going to go mad and run naked across the whole campus university. That's, and he had the power to do that. Like he could make her blind. He, he could do things. That's what he was thinking. He turns, their eyes met, and bam, he sees light. He encounters Jesus. She doesn't say much. So this pastor and these women kind of failed in their mission, except he gets saved. He is doing damage to that kingdom big time with his testimony and the power that he walks in and what he's teaching us. We would have no, this is, this is information I never, I've never heard before. This is a picture of the inner workings, like, oh my gosh, it is effectual when we pray. It is effectual when we gather together. I've, I've been here through the years, and I would sink just by myself, just worshiping, and I was in the zone, and I knew this was affecting things, like I was releasing something that went beyond our property and had no idea beyond that, because I'm not a seer. But I knew that I knew. I'm like, wow, this is, this is affecting our region. This is affecting something. But things come, anything comes, and you don't realize that it's coming after you. It's just life. It's just stuff. You get distracted. You get disheartened. Money problems, relationship problems, anything to get you to lose that thing. And you stay at home in bed in your pajamas. Yes, yes, yeah. For the podcast, Kenny's saying that he also said that the enemy uses pain in your life, like real pain in your body. Be careful because it does, it wear, that wears you down and you'll compromise and you'll, you'll give up like it's not worth because it'll stop you. And we have to learn to either press through the pain or get rid of the pain, one or the other, but beware, be certain of this. It does have an intention to stop your momentum and take the wind out of your sails. So be, be careful. Don't make vows even to God. Like, be careful. I said to Phyllis after I heard this teaching, I said, this is good. Let's take our time before we move forward, though. Like, it's life-changing. It's good. I said, I need to reset some things for myself first. I need to get this right. I need to make sure I'm fulfilling and and, and I knew. I knew what to do. It wasn't hard to know what to do. It was about being, I'm like, all of a sudden there was grace there to do it. There was direction. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this change. God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Hmm. Good advice. For a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by the many, his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. Again, it's easy to make the vow. It doesn't cost anything. Paying it does. What is our reason? I don't know. You get in the moment and you make a pledge. You make a vow. You make a, you make a decision. Money or whatever it is, doesn't matter. For he has no pleasure in fools for what you have vowed. 
pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. <sighs> Here's the good news. The price is worth paying. The adjustment is worth it. The reset that I'm going to just, maybe not, many of you need to make. I'll just say this. You, return to what, you've, what you committed to the Lord. Return at some point in your life you knew, here's what I'm supposed to do. Here's where I'm supposed to be. Here's what I'm called to. These are the terms of your relationship. If you want the relationship with your husband and wife to be good, pay attention to the terms. Sometimes they're not all written out. But if you pay attention, guys can be the densest about this, pay attention a little bit. It'll make such a difference. A little bit of paying attention to what matters in your relationship will drastically enhance your relationship. It's amazing what a little does. There's a principle with children, especially when they're hanging on you and want your attention, want your attention. I, I heard somebody wise say this, give them 15 minutes of undivided, your undivided attention and they'll probably just go and play after that. They'll, they'll, they'll feel satisfied. We're not giving anybody our undivided attention. We're like, listen, uh-huh, 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 yeah, okay. Years ago when Ashley was still little, she'll probably still do this now. If she could tell I wasn't listening to her, I don't know how she knew, but she knew. Yeah, I would do, I have a tell. If I ever do this, you can slap me. I start whistling while you're talking to me. That means my mind's someplace else. Isn't that terrible? I mean, a smart guy wouldn't even admit that. Most of the sister-in-laws and brother-in-law, you know, they're like, eh, you're checked out, Rick, you know. Come back. And I've heard other ministers, as they're ministering to the Lord, praying and spending time with the Lord, the Lord hates multitasking. So when you're giving him time, and that, that's what I reset to, like, I need to, I, I know the amount of time, and when I give it to the Lord... And separate myself. What, here was the, here's the freedom. Once you've done that and fulfilled it, there's this liberty you feel to just go about your business. Whereas, uh, this is me. These are my, this is my world and my convictions. So, I always know what I'm not doing. See, because this goes back years and I know what I, what I committed. I know what I felt praying it wasn't a thunderous command voice, do this. But it was something I worked out in sitting before the Lord. And I'm like, what can I give you? And what are the terms? Like, there was really the terms. Uh, and, and so leaving that, the Lord hasn't been punishing me. But man, I can tell there's a difference. And I returned and immediately I start breaking in, breaking through. It's amazing what you'll find. 
I, even in one of my moments, I'm praying, I'm look, reading scriptures, I'm just, intera- just interacting with the Lord, just keeping it really like I just go where I feel to go. I, I just really need free time. And I do that, I'm reading a scripture study, looking at something, meditating on it, not in a scholastic way, just truly just letting it absorb and looking at it and writing in my journal and just, you know, interacting with the Lord. And I say the words, I'm sorry, in this like wrong way, it grieved the spirit. I immediately got reprimanded for it. Like whatever thing I was in saying that, like it was this immediate, stop that, stop. I start, I get tears. I'm like, it was like a, it was like a, you know how a child would start apologizing for everything, you know? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like, they're not so sorry as much as they want you to change some of the conditions of the relationship, you know? I wasn't thinking that, but there was something about it. It wasn't in faith, and I was looking at coming, I'm looking at, Hebrews 10 about coming in with boldness. It's like I have to deal with some things because I, 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 I've lost the boldness. I'm holding back. I'm sheepish. Like the Lord doesn't like that in us. He wants you to come freely, boldly, confidently. And if you're not there, you need to get there because he wants you there. It's not okay to live like that. You don't get points in heaven for being back offish and you know he wants you to come with full confidence come before him to be able to run to him without question without those feelings without those thoughts I want to encourage you to take some time in your life it will change things I'm telling you feel powerless, feel like this is the real, it's not the kind of power that we manipulate people, but if you want to see breakthrough in other people's lives, people whose lives you have to do with, enter into this and lift them up, like make them part and pray prayers because this changes people. It changes things. We need each other. I need to be surrounded by covenant people or I can't function right. That was part of what this teaching is. I didn't want to talk like that. I didn't want to say that. But I need that. I'm energized by the support, covenant relationship, not patronizing things, not flattery, but this, that true thing, every person in the ministry does, every leader does. If you're part of something, there's a leader. Cover them. Stand, even when it's difficult, even when there's a question, even when, when because offense will come in and it will find a way or some other thing to get you off your game. We're plagued with it in our culture, and we're not taking our thoughts captive, and we buy into every lie. Like, stop it. We're so convinced something's true that we're thinking. It's like, who's talking? 
Who sent the message? Is, it, is, is the source unknown? Text unknown? Phone call unknown? Like, whoa, stop. Stop listening to that stuff. Challenge it. What's the truth? What are you asking? I believe we're going to be going on a journey. I invite you to come along. Change your life. Transform things. Watch and, and come into. Come into all that the Lord has for you. It is not too late. It's a day of second chances. New days. New beginnings. And for such a time as this. You only have to get it right for a little while. If it's the end. Like it doesn't. Man get it right. You can make hay in a little bit of time. Some of the, who was it? Colonel Sanders doesn't get his thing about his recipe till he's 80 or something like that. Different people that didn't get their, the invention that we know them for. They're late in their years. There was like at this short moment and boom, they did something that still lives. Same with us and the Lord. Just, just get it right. He can redeem the time that you've lost. He can, he can get you caught up so, so fast. It'll change you on this thing about this complaint and this anger and this guard over that. Go after it radically. It shuts you down. It takes away your power, your influence, the good, the good, start, the good stuff. Be radical about the stuff that jumps up in your heart. Just be radical about it. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just close today and ask your blessing on this. I ask that you show us more about covenant prayer. I ask you to lead us and guide every person that has even a question. What are they to be doing and where are they to be plugged in? And what, what are their uh, terms of relationship with you? We want more than just a wedding day with you. We want a life with you. We want to live in the same house and walk connected to you. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for this communion, I just want to share a scripture out of Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous shall, shall live by faith. And that's out of Habakkuk 4, 2, 4. The righteousness shall live by the righteous shall live by faith. Isn't that a glorious gospel? So I'm working at an old order Amish house, putting up a greenhouse, and I supplied all the parts and um, they were supposed to assemble it and we were down there to help them. Well, I and my fellow worker, we put in a day and a half with the man and his sons and they were using hand drills and hand saws, literally little hand hand drills to drill the wood and, and the metal. And I offered to leave, you know, my battery operated DeWalt 
drill just so they could expedite, you know, when we, when we left there. And his reply just floored me. You know, this isn't a criticism of the Amish, but it's a criticism of living so deeply under the law. He said, I better not. I don't want to get in trouble. The church, you know, may be offended and it may cause problems, okay? So I've seen this before in the, in the Amish community. Fear is generated by the law and the, you know, the, just the inability to fulfill the law. Thank God for the deliverance from the law of sin and death. Thank God for deliverance from the ordinances. You know, there's like over 400 laws in the Mosaic. If you just read Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it is staggering. If the law was put in place to make sin exceedingly sinful, it sure was successful. <laughs> And so we celebrate communion today. We can appreciate Jesus as the law was nailed to the cross with him. Ye are called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You know, Jesus said a new commandment I give unto you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. And another place in answer to the man that asked, what is the main commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God. Love your neighbor, you know, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And again, it says, love is the fulfillment of the law. As we take communion today, let's remember, as he became an a sin offering for us the law and the ordinance was crucified with him and we are delivered into a liberty from ordinances from ritual and religion into a faith venture and into the love of God and loving our neighbor as ourself Amen